0: Here we go, 5 o'clock hour on a Monday. Adam Candy is here. Come on as well. Lots to get to. We'll uh, cover more of the baseball trade deadline. Candy, what were you saying earlier about your uh, your guy Cashman?
1: And the Yankees? Sell everything, that's not, sell everything that's not nailed to the floor. And I know the Yankees don't have a lot to sell, but you cannot realistically look at this roster and think that it has any chance to do anything in the postseason. And you got to set up... Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole for next year with a team that is not as hobbled as this one. I hate bailing. But we'll discuss
0: that with Daniel McCartan from WFAN in New York. Uh, Yankees, Mets, Jets, Giants, Barkley and what Saquon did to Josh Jacobs and now how uh, we'll have a little more on what uh, position Johnny Taylor's in now, Jonathan Taylor. Now that Ursay basically said uh, hit the bricks, brother. You don't like it? Hit the bricks. And he can do it. He can do it. So we'll get to that in a couple minutes. But, you know, we've been trying to track baseball trade deadline. Nothing major, major today. The Cubs are adding. So Candelario is uh, added there from the Nats. Uh, Mets trade off another, you know, decent asset, a rotational outfielder in Marcana. Um I thought the Rangers were the big winner of the weekend because it's not enough in the American League if you don't have a stud, you know, a pitching staff full of studs. It's not enough to get one guy. you got to get a couple. So, I like Jordan Montgomery. Actually, yankee right? Candy! There he is! There he is! Highly coveted! Highly coveted! Yankees wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, Montgomery and Scherzer. Um, and we'll get to the Mets more at 5.30. Do you look at what the Mets are doing as just an absolute teardown?
1: it has to be looked at in the vein of what the expectations were, right? Yeah. So if you look at the expectations for the Mets, this was supposed to be a team that was not only competing for the divisions, competing for the World Series, and nothing came together this year. Huh. Lineup didn't come together. Rotation didn't come together. Verlander was hurt. Scherzer was ineffective. Nothing went the way it was supposed to. Edwin Diaz got hurt before the season even started in the World Baseball Classic. And so I think Steve Cohen, Mr. Moneybags, The guy who built his fortune so he could buy the Mets was smart because he looked at this team and realized, yeah, we might be able to limp along here and be entertaining, but I'm in this to win. And if I'm in this to win, I got to make a move. I got to get some money out of here. I got to get Max Scherzer to another team and rebuild and reload. And that's what the Mets did. So maybe it's not a full fire sale. Verlander's still there, but now Verlander's making noise about wanting out. I do so think maybe it's, it's not full fire still, but it's smart.
0: I do think it's weird with Scherzer that they pay the lion's share of the money. And, I mean, I don't want to be too aggressive here because it's not like I'm out there freaking scouting Acuna's brother. Um, but they get a double-A prospect back who has upside. It's uh, Ronald Acuna's younger brother who's like, you know, he's an infielder, 5'10". He's not certainly not as big as his brother. Uh, big steals guy has, you know, upside on power. They pay most of the Scherzer deal. In the uh, swap with
1: the Rangers, and that's what they get back? One double-A player? Let me give you some stats on Max Scherzer. Last year, Max Scherzer did not give up a single home run on his slider. He has given up eight on his slider this year. It is down about two miles an hour. His average fastball velocity is down about three miles an hour. He is still a pitcher who can get guys out, but he's toting around a four ERA right now, and he's going to get paid $43 million next year. So... The situation with Max Scherzer is a lot more about you tell us how much money you're willing to give us along with him, and we'll tell you how good of a prospect we're willing to give you back. So the Mets played the game a little bit with the Rangers and got back a prospect that I think matches the fact that if Max Scherzer had to go out in the open market this offseason, no matter how good Max Scherzer is, he's not getting $43 million. No, no.
0: Uh, did you see the story this weekend in our local paper? As the uh, PR machine continued to churn out stories, and it's newsworthy, uh, churn out stories about the A's and how good the transportation is going to be to get over there to the the new A Stadium at the Trop site. Did you see the story on the Boring Company?
1: I did. Okay, I Just, did. Oh. I saw that story. Man, oh man. Well. I got to tell you, some some of those RJ reporters really work hard to get these stories. They pop up out of nowhere. It's amazing. I don't know that everyone knows about what Musk is doing with
0: the Boring Company, what Clark County is doing with the Boring Company. Um, it is interesting, since I am a uh, bar fly. I happen to be at the bar that is right there at Koval and Tropicana, right behind the MGM on the east side. And you know, there's a piece of land there that for a while was actually owned by... UNLV, uh, the Boring Company bought it, and they're putting a station in there, which makes sense. That would be a short walk to where an A Stadium would be at the TROP site. So that's a good thing. I, I did think one of the quotes from one of the uh, A's officials uh, who was quoted in the story, uh, the person said, you know, that's another thing we've talked quite a bit about, Um we believe that anything that can bring fans to the site without having to drive their cars or making it more convenient for people is a real positive. So I guess the key there in that is making it more convenient. Um, while the the Boring Company and its proposed 81 stations, which, boy, oh, boy, I, I don't know if I'm going to be around to see all 81, including one that goes to the airport. While that's interesting, there's a couple things here. The capacity right now in those cars, in those tunnels, really isn't very high, and for any of us locally, um, we still have to drive. So I think there's a real debate. When you're thinking about going over to the TROP site to watch baseball, are you going to park um, whatever it is, two miles away at a main parking lot uh, d- down by the uh, Westgate and Sahara and then get on? Uh, you know, Actually, I don't even know where you would park. Yeah, Actually, I don't even know where – where's the boring – I mean you're going to have to drive some Boring Company is not planning on having a station. Are they having stations out in suburbia. You know cuz I I, totally, I was totally thinking of the monorail. what's You have to dr- well, you're going to have to drive yeah, somewhere. You're going to have to drive somewhere to get to one of the Boring stations to get on the service and then get down to the stadium.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty certain we're not going to have a Southern Highland stop for the they? Boring Company. Are so they? yeah, you're going to have to drive somewhere. Are they drilling out to Red Rock right now? Yeah, the, right now. It's it's cheap. The thing is, you look at where the A's are coming from, yeah, I'm sure the A's like the idea of you not having to drive to get there because they're abandoning a place that had a BART stop specifically
0: for it. And BART is unreal. While, while a lot of mass transit around the country may not, may not be the most aesthetically beautiful, um, it is a hell of a system, uh, and we are making some progress here with this boring project, but make no mistake about
1: it, it ain't BART. No, it is not. It is not anything like that. I when I would go watch the Yankees at uh, the Coliseum, I would stay with my uncle in San Francisco full well knowing it was going to be easy. He had a stop for the BART right outside his place. Hmm. I could be over at the Coliseum in 25 minutes. Frankly, when I was covering the Raiders stadium situation, I did the same thing. I was meeting officials at the Coliseum and I knew that I could stay in San Francisco and even if I needed to get over for an interview, it was easy all i gotta do is walk out the door and jump on the uh, train that's not happening with the boring company no matter how much the a's or elon musk or their pr mouthpiece at the paper wants it to happen
0: yeah it's a weird one i haven't seen the map of all 81 stations so i'll reserve judgment on that one but uh my initial thought would be no matter where you're going to take that boring company Well, it's going to be, what, 2028 when the stadium is here. Pretty much no matter where you're going to take it from, you're going to have to pay for parking there. So I just don't know how many people are going to park on the North Strip in a parking garage at a casino to then take the car in the tunnel over to the stadium and then have to do the same going back. And I meant their car. I meant the the Tesla or whatever, uh, you know, five or seven or nine passenger car or truck is going to be underground.
1: I realized that we've we figured out recently that Elon Musk is not the best with naming companies Um, you know the whole uh, that social media outlet that he seems to have gone to a single letter on Hmm. but we couldn't have done any better than the boring company really there there wasn't anything out there better than the boring company like does anyone really describe it as boring through the ground even like even the intended point of this it doesn't work by the way is anyone else Anyone else having trouble with the uh, the X the Z
0: with your phone now on missed phone calls? Cause I don't I don't see well, but it's basically the same sort of icon <laughs> on the top of the phone. I'm like, oh, I missed a call. Nope, that's a tweet. So I now have to nope. I have to take off my notifications on the Zs.
1: I go look in my tabs in my browser and I keep looking for the little bird. (laughs) I know, because I got 75 tabs open in my browser and I'm like, where's the bird? There's no bird, it's an X. And I see that X and I think I'm about to click on something that is not safe for work. I can't adjust. I don't know what's going on.
0: This show really has become Shake the Fist of the Sun and you sort of change. We get confused and dazed. I don't know what's happening right now. I can't use my phone anymore. Although uh, Fatty was able to uh, download the app successfully of one of the fast food places that will be moving to town, so I was real <laughs> I was real efficient at that. I got that done in about three minutes. Nailed that one. A lot of clarity on the thinking there. How about that? My impressive.
1: Just make sure you order from the right location, Steve. You got God only knows how many of the uh, the Bojays they're going to be. You got to make sure you get your chicken, your blueberry biscuits, and your dirty rice the same place. So let's let's uh. Let's get you updated on what's going
0: on with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. So CBS has a report up a little while ago and lots of other college football insiders. uh, Pac-12 Commissioner George Kleavkoff set to present media rights deal to member schools per reports this is supposed to happen tomorrow. Now, while most people are like, too late, too late, idiot, he waited too long. Where are you on this? Will we get a more measured approach from one Adam Candy?
1: It doesn't matter. You want a measured approach? Get whatever deal you want. It doesn't matter. At this point, with the LA market and the Denver market gone from your conference, it's it's the power three and Dabo plus and then whatever's left of the Pac-Twelve. It's it's fine. It'll be relevant. It'll still be a good basketball conference, but it's not that great for football. And if Oregon ever bails, it's over in terms of relevance for football. So I I hope for the sake of the West Coast and us being able to watch some traditional games that we're used to seeing at night, the same way we never were with the Pac-12 network and DirecTV, I just hope that it's a reasonably accessible deal because if it took this long for it to come together, I doubt it's going to be a financially lucrative deal, especially considering you just lost the two biggest markets outside of phoenix that you have in your conference can i fire back with
0: does colorado really offer denver
1: from the perspective of someone going out and pitching a market and saying where's your advertising going to run yeah okay it get it are you are you asking me is it if the College of Denver, I mean, as much as any college is the College of Denver, yeah. right? Denver is not a college-crazed market by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to ask me which team among the ones in the Colorado area owns the market, Boulder's got the biggest claim.
0: Uh, so there are rumors out there that Arizona could be making the decision sooner than later, that they could be bailing for the Big 12 sooner than later. I've seen other stories saying Arizona State will be a little more measured. We'll wait a little bit because they have some interest in the L.A. market with the uh, Uh, ASU has one of the bigger online schools. I have no idea how much money they make off of that, but I guess, uh, maybe they've got a satellite campus in LA. So there's some interest there. Where is UNLV in all of this? Because I still, I still want to reserve judgment and kind of play it out. Let's see what happens. I know that's not what we're supposed to do here on sports talk radio. We should be making bold proclamations. I saw our good friend, um, UNLV Rebel Girl say that US, uh, excuse me, UNLV is in play for both the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I think it's just a matter of who gives us the best offer and the better full share.
1: Is that the case? That's a rebel red rosy view of the way things might be for UNLV hey. in play. Yeah, sure, in play. The Las Vegas market is about to have three professional teams. It is a growing sports market. You got a lot on your side with that. If we're going to get down to what does UNLV offer you on the athletic side, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been to a bowl game in 10 years, and the basketball program is firmly entrenched in the middle. So, does it give you a more compelling offer than a Colorado State, than a Boise State? Probably not, but... In play, I don't think it's too far because for the Big 12 and for the Pac 12, there's still a brand name involved with Vegas and there's still a market that people like. Isn't the Big 12 kind of
0: doing the same thing with Colorado? A moribund football program for, you know, 15 years. Basketball program has been okay. Um, it it's always seemed like there's been acad- an attitude of academics over athletics outside of the time where you know they're allowed to kind of play fast and loose and bring in players. Not saying you know that's how Mike Pritchard got there, but um, it, there was a different mindset during that era. Um, my point is, Colorado's been dormant for a bit, and the Big 12 is taking a chance on a market. Is Vegas enough with all of the major league sports coming here to go? You know what? UNLV's got a lot of good things in place with facilities. Uh, let's roll the dice on them or we had it, or Barry it, in the case of Vegas.
1: We had Barry Odom on the press box uh, the other morning and we had a fine interview is good to good to chat with the new UNLV football coach and you know, get to know a little bit about how his offseason has been. I hope he doesn't take this as a slight that it's a it's a it's a little different interview than Deion Sanders. And the star power of what Dion brings to the University of Colorado is a completely different story. If you're going to talk about what it means for television, what it means for social media eyeballs and a lot of things that I'm sure the Big 12 is more than happy to be bringing along. So we're getting in the Colorado business for
0: a guy who's probably going to be there four years if he's not fired after three. You
1: think all these conferences are going to look the same four years from now? you do you do it for what you got in front of you right this moment so everything right now everything's kind of in a five-year cycle if you are looking right now at college football in particular you're pegging everything to how this playoff works out right like how does the expanded playoff look and what does it mean for your future and right now if you can make a marginal improvement to your conference when it comes to that playoff then yeah i think that you're absolutely doing it and you're feeling good about it I don't know if you feel like you're taking that big of a chance in the transfer portal era of college football to feel like is there a program that at least perception wise is going to be more on the come than Colorado now look they might get wrecked this year and win three games and then the star will not have nearly as much shine to it but that's not going to stop Dion from going out there and building on it in year two And it's not going to stop the Big 12 from wanting to be more relevant than the Pac-12 when it comes to the playoff and getting more spots in that expanded playoff. And right now, if you're the Pac-12 and you have Oregon and who's and that you think can make that playoff, I think reasonably you could make the case that maybe Colorado in three years would be a team that you could look at and say, okay, maybe what Washington? You're going to go with Washington? Absolutely, Washington over Deion Sanders, yes. Okay, that's fine. But I'm saying there's not much more beyond that, and I think the Big 12 has a lot more reasonable cases, even minus Texas and Oklahoma. Interesting.
0: Uh, Best case scenario for UNLV. I just had someone um, texting with me saying, hey, uh, would UNLV be interested in going to the Pac-12 if, say, it's a mostly Apple TV deal and per
1: school is $20 million? If you're UNLV right now and you have the opportunity <laughs> right. to get away from the Mountain Wests and its meteorites deal and get to the Pac twelve, you don't you don't even ask like just show me page one of the contract. I'm not even sure I need to see page fifteen. But like, for, just but, show me what show me the basic term sheet.
0: But for a conference that may not exist unless it makes some really aggressive moves and to me pushes it to fourteen or sixteen teams, if they're gonna if they're going to kind of limp in and add three teams, I don't think that's enough. So, uh, I, to me, running for the Pac-12 for you know what they could offer versus what the Big 12 could do if the Big 12 is going to go to I – don't, I don't know where the Big 12 is going to stop. I mean, 16, 18. Um, I got to – and here's the problem. Like, in terms of clarity, the guy who runs Pac-12 can't even give his long, you know, long-time existing members clarity. Can you imagine being on the outside and having some interest in the conference? And you're like, can you please tell us what we're going to get? What is the plan? Well, hold on. I'm still
1: working on it. Okay. So the Big 12, let's say it goes to 16 teams. The Big 12 in terms of a football conference. The Big 12 in terms of a basketball conference. UNLV is a bottom feeder in both of those right now. Could it improve? Sure. Right. It absolutely could improve. Right. You're you're talking about a UNLV football program that looked like it was on the verge of a bowl last year and brings back a quarterback that might be the best returning quarterback they've had in a decade. So you could say there there is a lot to look forward to. But right this moment, if you tossed UNLV into the Big 12, it's going to struggle mightily in both areas. Right. So I would rather be in the Pac-12 where I think it would be more competitive in both sports and Let's talk about if the conference fell apart. If the Pac-12 fell apart, I want to be in the Pac-12 that's falling apart versus the Mountain West that's falling apart. It is Cofield and Company. Adam Candy's here.
0: That was Ron Perlman on the way back over the uh, talking about the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike. That was me honking in the background, Candy. That was me. That was me. That message was a little more uh, measured versus the one where he basically said uh, he was going to go to the house of, uh, what was it, Bob Iger and get him, which I kind of like too, but not always the most productive to uh, threaten people on the other side.
1: You know, kind of going back to the old days where you were wearing a clown nose in traffic to remind yourself to calm down, right? Like Just, <laughs> just a little a little chill. Just wow. a little chill. Good
0: memory on that one. I actually found the nose the other day. I'm like, I need to wear this more often. I still have a wig, too. I don't throw anything out. Hoarder. That's there's benefits. By, by the way, needed a new duffel bag because... Uh, Damon has seen me dragging around some tripods and equipment. I uh, I found believe it or not this bag that I brought in today. It's a Reebok bag. It's a red one. I'll give him the free pop. Um, I think I bought it in 89. Damon says no. I don't believe it. No, I really I really think of, I really think I had this bag in college. And it's been stored away for probably 25 years. And I I was talking to the S.O. the other day. I'm like, I know I have some duffel bags somewhere. And She just shakes her head. She's like, I know it's somewhere. So good luck. So that was my big project yesterday. Big project. Cleaning out the garage. It was like the fifth time I did it. My life's coming together, Candy. It's coming together.
1: Damon has seen me dragging around some tripods. Well, okay. uh, All right. That's, uh, you know, I I mean... you really have not been measuring anything before it comes out today um, <laughs> no so, no <laughs> all right uh, yeah i actually I have, I have a bit of a problem with t-shirt hoarding um i have hoarded way too many t-shirts over the years and i i've been reminded of this on occasion oh my god there's the duffel bag yeah. Does that, it smell? wow no i, I washed definitely it from 89 um yeah i washed it it's very stylish yeah nice wow it's a beautiful bag i found a place that will make a blanket out of your old T-shirts. And no. So, like I'm gonna, I'm shipping off a bunch of T-shirts. So they're gonna make a blanket. You know what the oldest T-shirt I found was? The 1993 Maui Invitational. Oh wow. Oh,
0: oh yeah. See
1: between between my
0: old T-shirts that I can't wear that are inside and the ones that are in bins outside,
1: uh, how many T-shirts does it take to make a blanket? Do you know? Well, I will be getting a seven by seven uh, queen size blanket. Holy and crap! And you can have forty nine. 49 so that that one front or back is one so a full t-shirt if you want both sides is two so i think you probably could uh you could have like a tarp i could probably do 10 blankets
0: (laughs) i think i have 500 t-shirts in my possession i'm not lying it's it's, i hope
1: to god everybody in my life hears this and stops giving me crap (laughs) oh i'm the worst i'm the worst but you know who's going to benefit in the end it's all for you vegas I'm going to pull these T-shirts
0: out this year. They're vintage T-shirts to give away. It's
1: all for you. I've been doing this for you all this time. The Lotus Broadcasting Summer of Fun is yes. going to become the fall of fear yes. when they have to get Steve Cofield's T-shirts <laughs> yeah. out of the bin.
0: Yeah, once we're done with the Lotus Summer of Fun, right now we're on trip number six. We will give away eight. Uh, the ninth prize will be all my T-shirts. Uh, call in right now, 364-1100. Call or seven. You qualify to win four tickets to an Aviators game, and then you have a shot at the weekly grand prize trip. Again, we're giving away trips every week, eight of them. This is week six. Uh, this week, ooh, okay, something interesting. Uh Trip to New Mexico, hot air balloon trip in Albuquerque. Then you're going to spend, uh, check that, three days in Santa Fe plus $1,700 in spending money, or you can just take the cash. Take the trip or take the cash. 364 1100. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun, caller seven. It's brought to you by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, G O E T T L. It's hard to spell, but they will keep you cool. 364 1100. Time to qualify for another great giveaway in the Lotus Summer of Fun. Caller 7. All right, we haven't checked in on what's going on in New Jersey and New York with all the storylines there. Darren Waller, now a giant A-Rodge with the Jets, warring with Sean Payton last couple days. Mets in a teardown. Yankees, who knows. Danielle McCartan does radio for WFAN in New York. She's up with Candy and Cofield and DeMond. Danielle, how are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Did you win?
2: We win, We did. We did win. Hey guys, they want to know if we won. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we won.
0: Okay, what was the score? And the- ha- how'd you do individually? I mean, come on, pump yourself a little bit. Yeah,
2: we won. Yeah, we won. What was seventeen to five? I think was the final score. Uh, I had a. I was. Well, I was three for three. Three RBIs, a triple, okay. all over the place.
0: Oh, that's it. Okay, okay, that's just three for three. Yeah. Um. Did you mm-hmm. see the? Did you see the story that uh, we had a charity softball game out here, Danielle, between the Knights yeah. and the Raiders and Nate Hobbs? Uh, failed to catch a fly ball and caught it with his face.
2: Oh man, that yep. sucks. Cool. It's not as easy as it looks,
0: huh? Um, apparently not. And we were asking, <laughs> we were asking around this crew. Adam Candy said uh, pretty easily he would catch a fly ball. Whoa, de- de- pretty easily. Well, is strong, but I would yeah, catch it. But you would catch it. Damon said he's actually been hit in the face by a fly ball, so he'll never do it again. And then I just de- <laughs> I I described uh, my abilities as I could do it, but I, my range would be about twelve feet to each side and back and forth. So. Uh, you're right. It's yeah, not it's, it's not as easy. It's not as easy if uh you know, you're not accustomed to catching fly balls, especially a, going from softball to baseball, it's kind of tough, but it, it's a it's a skill set. It's a it's a skill set.
2: Yeah, I slid into third base pretty hard before and it was uh it was no good. I needed to get all bandaged up and everything. But I play hard. What are you what are you going
0: to do? There you go. You got to have a sliding pad. I still have my sliding pad from I know, uh, 2001. I know. Yeah. I hoard. I, I hoard. Um all right. So, let's start with I'm going to go with the positive, okay, before we what? get to the baseball teams. Um, <laughs> Candy's annoyed at Aaron Rodgers for getting involved in the Payton thing. And, uh, what? I, I I love it. I think it's I great. It. And Sean Payton can friggin' shove it.
2: Yeah, really. I'm with you, Steve. I mean, what? Adam, really? What don't you like about that? Your quarterback what is I, picking up I, not only for his coach, but his entire organization.
1: Nathaniel Hackett, in theory, is a grown man who can fight his own battles, and yet he's got Aaron Rodgers out here caping for him. We've heard from Sala, we've heard from Rodgers, but Nate the Great, where's he?
2: I think that would come off as you
1: know what's that word? In, in, ingenuous, disingenuous. If, if he
2: he comes out there and starts defending himself, you got Aaron Rodgers, first ballot Hall of Famer, getting out there and calling him one of the best coaches he ever had. Yeah. I loved it. I loved every second of it. That's my quarterback,
0: man. Candy. Exactly. That's my quarterback. Exactly. That's my quarterback. And by the way, Danielle, we played Tierney saying that uh, Sean Payton is dead to him now. So I'm on board Yeah, with him. hell yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I'm 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 right on board with him.
0: Yep. Uh, you know, you know you know Candy. He's uh, I don't know, he's from the soft part of New York. I don't There
1: know. are no Sean's in my life anymore. All Sean's are dead to me from now on. Yeah, that's exactly uh-huh. that's what it's supposed to sound like. Um <laughs> so
0: in general, with Roger stepping up for Hackett, Rogers taking a pay cut <laughs> How has the relationship developed so far between our uh, our sweet quarterback Aaron Rodgers and the area?
2: Everybody loves him for all of the reasons you just said. That guy is the savior. He has ingrained himself into New York culture faster than I mean. He knows he was he's been photographed everywhere, even at the Taylor Swift concert at MetLife Stadium. I mean, the guy is if you didn't know it, he's a New Yorker already. Yes, you know what I mean. He is ingrained himself. He just know he knows the history of of the Mets. Of the Jets, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, there's you could not ask for a more seamless transition from from a superstar player, honestly. Mm-hmm. And even in the thirty five million wasn't just about the free agents. He actually said Aaron Rodgers did that if the Jets come and see somebody at the trading deadline, he made room for them just in case there's someone that they want to go and get. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are you kidding me? I was the last time that's ever happened for the Jets, never. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not happening with the Giants, where uh, Candy. And by the way, speaking of disingenuous, you might want to mention who you root for, Candy. So your take on this is is very laced with your Giants fandom. Oh, um how about the not, other? How about the other quarterback in the New York care area? About the Jets. Danny Dimes taking every freaking penny he can grab. What a selfish guy! How about that, uh, McCartney? Yeah, you can't. No, you can't blame him. If I'm offered forty five million dollars,
2: I'm taking it. No, you wouldn't. I fought for it. Yeah, no, yeah, would. I would. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, I would.
0: Well, you would write a, You would, would. You would write a check on the side to Barkley. I know you.
2: Well, maybe I would do that. Yeah, but I, I thought you. I'm not taking less. You know, to, to, to do that. And I know Saquon Barkley makes Daniel Jones an infinitely better quarterback. I mean, his rating, his quarterback rating on the field with Saquon Barkley jumps something like 17 points overall. I, I get it, but but maybe you're right, Steve. Maybe I would cut a check to Saquon Barkley on side or do something really nice for him. Really, really, send him on vacation or something wherever he wants to go.
1: Nate Hackett versus Brian Dable versus Daniel Jones versus Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. You make it sound like Cofield that I'm out here taking out some sort of long held grudge against the New York Jets. You've always hated us. I know you. You've got to remember something. <laughs> Rivals have to be on the same level. Okay. All right. okay. It's fine. I got four Super Bowls in my pocket.
0: So you guys are excited We're about Rodgers. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, no. yeah. when, when I got did,
1: every ring. When did you play? All the way back to eighty You back uh-huh. to, I'm like Dar I'm like Darren Rovell. I go out there and collect all the rings. I've got Phil McConkey's ring from eighty six. No, I don't. I do not have Phil McConkie's ring.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. I mean I get it, everything. You know, I've seen Giants Super Bowls in my lifetime, but I am very excited to get out there in February to watch the Jets win the Super Bowl. That's what it, that's the fever pitch. That's the fever pitch it is around here, honestly. People are ready to
0: go to the Super Bowl. Put uh, Danielle McCartens with us from WFN, uh, having some fun over the Jets and Giants. Put your uh, analyst uh, hat on, your hat uh, on, your radio host uh, role. Who has who has a better chance of a better season? Who's going to win more games?
2: The Jets, for sure. I think the Giants are going to take a, a step back to the mean. I think they played over um, expected last year. I mean, really, I mean, they they won one round of a playoff game. They had the benefit of what's called, you know whether you believe it or not, a softer schedule. Um, they've got the Eagles in their division, two games against the Eagles. I mean, so I think the Giants are going to be just victim of, you know, uh, a tougher schedule this year, although I love Brian Dable. I love Daniel Jones. I'm very happy that Saquon Barkley's back. Darren Waller, as you know, is a difference maker on the field when he's on the field. However, look at the Jets. The Jets are finally a destination. You've got Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook in the building just yesterday watching practice. I mean, they are absolutely stacked on both sides of the ball. And for that reason, I mean, look at their division. The Bills are the competition. Really, that's it. The Dolphins don't scare me. The Patriots don't scare me. So uh, I, I think the Jets are going to have a better season.
1: Candy please, wins. Candy, please respond. I see the look on your face. Uh, if you're not worried about the Patriots, that's totally fine. But the Dolphins?
2: Nah. I, I don't believe in Really? Tua. Yeah. I, I it's, never it's, all,
1: it's all about Tua. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, the receivers was great, but you got to get the ball to him.
0: Daniel McCartan's with us, WFAN. All right, uh, baseball side of things. Before we get to the Yankees and what looks mm-hmm. like inactivity right now, although I'm sure there's a lot of talks going on, uh, right. what is the thought from the market on the Mets? Are they annoyed that the Mets are tearing things down?
2: I think Mets fans around here are just divided. I mean, they're – I was in the room yesterday with just two, two producers. The three of us had three different, very valid, very good opinions on where the Mets should go. and should have gone. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, it's like a cookie analogy. And all the different crumbles of the cookie, everybody's got their own opinion on what the Mets should do and it could do and, and all that. And so um, there's no one cohesive, like, that was good, or no, that was a bad move. It was just like, no, they should have done this, that, that thing. And listen, i and, and I was listening to Michael Kay earlier today, and Peter wrote that Peter Rosenberg and Michael Kay were saying, and I agreed with them I said it yesterday i didn 't think the Mets were so far out that it wasn 't attainable. They had twenty three games head to head games against all the teams in front of them, so if they were able to bolster their bullpen and I believe me, I did my homework on guys that they could have gotten, they were able to bolster that that, that awful bullpen and, and, and you know not put so much pressure on their starting pitching and their offense and stuff, they would I think they would have been all right but Apparently, they didn't think so. They traded their best reliever. And then you got the GM yesterday coming out and saying, oh, it's not a total rebuild. It's just a retooling or whatever he said. It's absolutely a fire sale. Oh, fire sale. It's absolutely a fire sale. You got ready for your best reliever and your 1A or 1B pitcher. That sells fire sale everywhere. Everywhere you look, that's fire sale. And they got prospects. Everybody's like, oh, they got prospects. Oh, yeah, really? Tell me how many prospects are going to pan out. Nobody knows. So I'm, I don't agree with what's going on. But I am, I would say, in the minority
0: uh, for that opinion. Uh, what if in the off-season they spend the same amount of money for better players and younger players? That's why I don't, I don't have a giant problem with Max Scherzer going bye-bye. And as Candy was pointing out on our show earlier today, his numbers have gone down. He's on the hook for a gigantic number. I know the Mets mm-hmm. are going to pay a lot of it, but I think the signs were there that they needed to get out from the Max Scherzer business uh, now instead of too late.
2: I mean, the guy was 9-2 and two this season. You know, over his Mets career, he, he's 20-9. I mean, that's pretty good, if you ask me. That's a solid, top-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Maybe not an ace, maybe not the one A he was anymore, but, I mean, sure, he can had, he had come up small in some big spots, but I, he's still a, a solid starting pitcher to me. Um, and, and then the other thing is, oh, well, Billy Epler, you know, he, he's, he's tearing it down, good for him. He's the one who built it. He's the one who built the teardown. People forget that. Short-term memory, people forget that. So I, I, I've got no confidence in th- this is the, the right GM to do the teardown and the rebuild. But I guess that's just me.
0: Well, it sounds like if you wanted the Mets to retool this year and move forward with some additions, yeah. then you want the Yankees to do the same thing. Uh, Candy, yep. you, want, you want the Yankees to be trading guys off and uh, pitching in for the season before we have uh, Danielle answer?
1: The Yankees, right now, are three plus out of the wild card, and that's the third wild card. And this is a team that had a huge series against the Orioles over the weekend and completely no showed the Sunday game thanks to Luis Severino. I don't see this Yankees team getting out of the American League. And if you're in the House Steinbrenner business of championship or bust, that means to me, set yourself up for next year because they're not even a lock to get into the playoffs and their issues can't just be fixed by adding people. They need players who are not performing like Anthony Rizzo, like John Carlos Stanton, like DJ LeMahieu to fix it and they haven't shown any signs of fixing it.
2: Well, I mean, you're talking that that Hal has said championship or bust. In fact, he said the opposite actually. Hal, Hal, Hal Steinberger gets on TV and on the radio shows and all, uh, his, his line has become, well, as long as you make it into the playoffs, you have no idea what could happen. So his goal is like playoffs, and then it's a crapshoot from there. So he has never said championship or bust, and neither has Brian Cashman for that matter. Um, but, you, I mean, you're right. So what they have the players on the roster. They, they fire their hitting coach. They got a brand-new hitting coach. D.J. LeMay, who has, has night and day, check out his splits, pre-All-Star, post-All-Star. He has vastly improved since the All-Star break. So they have all the pieces on on the roster pretty much they I, I have a chart in front of me of all the left fielders pretty much in the league that i think would be available um they, that's a sh- position they definitely that's when you calculate WAR Fangraphs WAR <clears throat> the Yankees have their designated hitter i think is the <clears throat> excuse me has the lowest WAR but they like to use the designated hitter as like a you know an off day for their big guns and all, all that so they're not going to ever go out and get a designated hitter so actually their left fielder is the next lowest in WAR, and uh, listen, is, is a left fielder going to put him over the top? I don't know, but maybe if a left fielder would put them over the top—a contact type type guy. If Rizzo picks it up, if Stanton picks it up, if Judge is in the lineup on a consistent basis, and why can't they? You know, what
0: I mean? why, why yeah, can't candy. they? Why not, Candy?
1: Well, I mean, this is a team where. Their offense over the last couple of months has been pretty consistently uh, among the worst in baseball. They they have a rotation where you got to hope that what you saw out of Carlos Rodon last start is a lot more of what you're going to get from him going forward after coming off injury, because otherwise, you don't have any reliable pieces in the rotation right now. You're hoping Nestor Cortez comes off no rehab, just like he did last year. Derek
2: Cole is like the favorite to win the Cy Young. What do you mean no well,
1: reliable uh, pieces? I <laughs> Danielle, I didn't forget that Garrett Cole pitches for the Yankees. It's okay, but I, I, I believe that when we, when we talk about filling out the rest of the rotation, that Garrett Cole can't pitch every day. And day. I'm not sure if you were privileged enough to watch the game on Friday night like I was, but Garrett Cole threw seven innings of shutout ball, and they lost because they have no offense. So if you are trying to find a left fielder who can get them some runs. That's great. But right now, it's going to take a lot more than a left fielder for that team to be any better than it is.
2: Well, I agree with you. I mean, catcher's another position where they need to generate a little bit more offense. But like you said, John Carlerson, Anthony Rizzo, these guys can catch fire at any time. Glaber Torres. I mean, and, and let's see what they do at the deadline. We're not even there yet. We're 24 hours away from the deadline still. So, I mean, listen, I know Gary Cole can't pitch every day. Schmidt has been good, solid for them. Nestor Cortez will be back. I mean, it's going to be uh, – I think – if I'm the Yankees, I'm pushing all my chips to to the center. I'm not – what are you going to sell? Who are you going to sell? Tell me who you'd like to sell. Josh Donaldson? No one wants him. I mean, who do you have to sell? Glaber Torres? For who? For what? Prospects? Forget about it. They won't pan out. The Yankees have a ton of prospects.
0: Danielle? Celebrate the victory. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, yeah, noticing the uh, the Raiders' schedule, we'll have a very interesting double dip, back to back weeks in Vegas with the Giants and Jets coming here. So yeah, good, I'll be good, there. Good I'll be there with the Giants
2: today. So I'll see you
0: then. Okay, see you, Danielle. All right, bye, guys. Thank here she you. WFN host Danielle McCartan. Candy, you seem very frustrated with her her logic on adding to this Yankee team. Um, I'm not in love with selling off either. Um, I think they can be creative on the trade market without giving up a ton of prospects and help their chances. So that's where I stand. I'm not expecting miracles from guys who haven't played well this so far, but I think if they tweak a little bit and they don't crush their farm system, um, they they owe it to themselves. They were, you know, they had expectations to go 91s plus to try to bolster it a little bit and do a little better over the last 55 games or so.
1: Well, they had expectations, and that's absolutely right. And to say that the mandate from from the top with the New York Yankees is not championship or bust is insanity and actually not at all true. The crapshoot line is not from Hal Steinbrenner. The crapshoot line has been Brian Cashman's line for many, many years now. So if Hal Steinbrenner's adopted that, great. But that came from Brian Cashman. This team has underperformed greatly and also been hit by a lot of injuries. And there comes a point where you have to look and say, yeah, we had expectations of winning 90 plus games, but is it realistic for us to just get into the playoffs and hope? And this team has not shown any level of consistency that they're just one little hot streak away. They're one or two additions away. You want to tweak and trade your number 25 prospect to bring in a left fielder who's better than, I don't know, any of the left fielders that they've played this year because they're at the absolute bottom of defensive runs saved and they're 27th out of OPS from their left fielders, then fine, go for it. But to say that you can add pieces and hope for a hot streak from guys who have had, to be honest, zero hot streaks this year, you're probably not dealing in the same reality that the rest of the teams in baseball are. Cofield and Company presents.
0: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
1: Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, Vegas. What heck, what
0: Stick your hand in there, dude. Sowers brought to you by our friends at Nova Home Loans, 577-2600. Give them a call. A lot going on right now with the real estate market. Obviously, the uh, rates... Per, uh, provide or present present a little bit of a challenge uh, John over at Nova Home Loans has some workarounds can help you on that can help you save money on a new home and I'm sure a lot of people are feeling right now that uh, hey I've got equity in my home uh, how do I upgrade in terms of a new home John has the answers 576-2600 Nova Home Loans 577-2600 back in the back stick your hand in there Dave. so candy I have to open up here and say I got inside my feelings a little bit last week, and we talked about it for a few minutes on Thursday when uh, Sinead O'Connor passed away, right? Uh, Very young at 56 years old. Uh, Today, we have another celebrity death, but an interesting one to talk about in Pee Wee Herman, who certainly sullied his good name with an arrest. So how do we talk about him today?
1: I mean, this is one of those complicated ones, Steve, because... Guys like me, the attachment is all your childhood, right? Like you remember Pee-wee's Playhouse. You remember how madcap that whole thing was. If you're a kid, that was the most awesome thing in the world. You knew what the secret word is. You were just waiting. It was awesome. And you didn't really know as much about (laughs) Pee-wee getting, you know, caught with his pee-wee in his hands at the adult movie theater and later getting caught with uh, some pictures of kids that maybe he should not have had and then somehow coming back and actually having a successful career as a character actor later on he passes away at the age of 70 from uh, from cancer and and you know i think it was fair honestly i feel like i've read some obits none of them tried to gloss over the fact that we had some troubles but they also talked about the fact that He had a pretty solid career all in all, didn't didn't get rid of the troubles, didn't let them overtake everything. I hope when I die past the age of 56, maybe if I'm lucky past the age of 70, uh, that people speak about me the same way that, you know, don't don't gloss over the fact that I have flaws I was just waiting to see if you guys knew any of them, but, uh, I, but apparently not. So I guess maybe we, do, we just go straight past the flaws. Yeah. We just go straight past the flaws. I was letting you breathe. And uh, talk about the fact that I had, I had a full, luscious head of hair all the way through my untimely death.
0: Stick your hand in there, Dave. Quite the guarantee. Um, UNLV involved on a uh, big-time recruit on the football side does not get him. Um, Mikel Patterson, McDonald had quite a list. He had quite a list, a safety from Oklahoma City. Uh, they made the Final Four, the uh, Final Four schools, Oklahoma, Mizzou, Houston. He picks Oklahoma. He's a three- or four-star. Uh, was also offered by Indiana, Iowa State, Michigan State, and Wazoo. They did land the number 18 player in Nevada yesterday. That makes it 19 commits for football for 2024. Five are local, and that's the biggest thing with this 2024 commit class, Candy. It was something they wanted cleaned up, and I think it's been pretty good in terms of immediate return. Getting five locals already was something that Marcus Arroyo had kind of irked the school with, and especially his boss, Eric Harper, by not getting many locals, if any at all. So Odom was getting
1: them. Yeah, I'm really not paying attention to the, the locals. We've had both ends of the spectrum, right? Tony Sanchez being local, having the Gorman connection, then Marcus Arroyo pretty much putting a ring... Around Nevada and going outside it and now, Barry Odom trying to reestablish. Well,
0: you're trying to build a football community, and you know having some of the high school kids commit to UNLV and build it is a good thing. And also having those schools and those players and those families interested in UNLV football can pay dividends in terms of support for the program and ticket sales. Candy, we'll see you, buddy. Thank you.